0: Hi there. This podcast was recorded in early 2023. With the acknowledgement that our world and current events shift every day, we hope you enjoy this slice of life from our community's voices. The human story is the search for belonging. From childhood to adulthood, in joy and in struggle, we all sit in questions of how to make sense of it all. What is our place? Why are we here? What is our story of searching? Join us in conversation with community members, each sharing some of their own story. I am Ben Spratt, and this is Belonging. So I have the honor today, sitting with Mary Harkavy beloved member alongside her husband, Arnie, for nearly 60 years here at Congregation Roto Shalom. And Arnie and Mary just celebrated their 65th wedding anniversary and over the arc of her many years of leadership and devotion here. She is an honorary trustee, having served on our board for many years, the chair of our Roto Shalom School Board. She also somehow at the same time was able to hold down a vibrant career in marketing and research and now in more recent years, has taken it upon herself to help hold the sacred conversations and stories of our 180-year-old congregation, as she serves in our archives department, lifting up the leadership and the inspiration of past generations to guide us today. And on a personal note, a person who has helped support me and shaped me as a rabbi through my two decades here at Rode Shalom, Mary, it is such a gift to be in conversation with you today. So Mary, I want to begin with the question, uh, really, and the exploration of what is your own search for belonging over the arc of your life?
1: I think that I have always enjoyed other people. So that's the first step in. Um, when I first came to of Shalom, uh, when I second came to of Shalom as an adult, having been here as a child, uh, when my brother was born, in the early fifties, uh, we rejoined when my daughter was two years old, and my husband was an came from an Orthodox family. I came from a totally non-observant family, and Rodeichholm was the right answer for us. We came because. My downstairs neighbor, who had a two year old daughter also, was Janet Newberg, who was a long time congregant at that point of Rotosham, and her husband an even longer time. She said, It's a good school. Yeah. Uh, actually, she probably said, It's a good temple. <laughs> and we joined. The following year, my daughter entered the nursery school, and that was really the first community that I got to know. When Hub Greenberg died, who was a member of our board of trustees, Norman Schaffler appointed me to to fill his spot on the board so that I could then become the next chair of the school committee, which I did and I served for many years. Um, We went through the process initially of hiring Erwin Schlachter in my early tenure, and then helping guide the school to really what its format is today. And uh, I'm very proud of what we did, and I'm very proud of the school today for where it stands. I was an active member of the board. I went on to be treasurer for four different presidents. When I retired from my business career in 2008, Chuck Weiss put a memo in, I guess it was in those days, it was probably in the Chronicle and said he needed help in the archives. And I went in and asked him if he wanted help, I would come to work. I was looking for things to do to keep my activity in the, as a part of the community. And now, uh, close to 15 years later, with Chuck gone, I am very much maintaining what's going on.
0: What do you feel like for you is the recipe of actually what creates that feeling of belonging? Because you are a person who's had enough different chapters in life, you also have had a number of relationships and connections in life and I'm wondering, what is the magic? What's the alchemy of feeling that sense of belonging?
1: I think this feeling comes from being being involved, being able to do things, not just to watch them. And I think that You personally have made a tremendous stride in getting people involved in ways that will make them belong. Our involvement initially started because our children were friends. And I think we all know that you make friends with parents of your children's friends. You make friends with other friends in a community, if you don't have children, it's much harder. And you're thank- I think you're more thankful for having a community where you can do that. And I think the diversity of our community today, where there are many families that are not traditional families and may or may not have children, or the older adults who come back they look for a community where they can make friends. I think friendship and personal relations are a big key.
0: And so I I want to build off of that because I want to go back to one of our first interactions together that was about 20 years ago, Mary. And we might have had earlier interactions, but I remember specifically this one. Uh, And this was actually in 2003. So I had just started as an intern here at Rhode Shalom and was trying to make my way around some of our leadership and find a way in, basically learn what is the essence of this place, what does it mean to be a clergy person here. And with the suggestion of Rabbi Levine, I got to sit down with you and a few um, other congregants. And I remember distinctly uh, I was asking you for advice. And you specifically said to me, you got to make sure that you listen to the kids. And I remember asking you, what do you mean by listening to the children? And you said, all we're doing here is we're trying to make sure that a rising generation, a new generation, knows that they're part of a much bigger story. But we also need to know that we're not the only ones that have things to teach, that they have things to teach us as well. And even as you're sitting here getting advice from us, just know that they're gonna have some advice as well and make sure you turn attention there. And I think back over all the times we've had together, Mary, and one of those things that's a thread is I think you've always known that the heart of this place is people. We have one of the most beautiful buildings of any synagogue in the entire world and creates such sacred moments for all of us. But I think you're right that it's friendship, that it's connection, that it's people. So for you, when you're thinking about some of those people that have mattered to you along the way. Tell me, what are some of those people, and what do you think are the ways in which they have changed you or affected you in your own life?
1: I think I learned from all three that you just mentioned very specifically, but I think I learned from other people too. And I guess I've always tried to be a good listener, Um, and I learned from them. I learned... I learned about Judaism, which I did not know before. I learned from Rabbi Hirschberg. I learned from Rabbi Levine. I've always tried to take advantage of the education that was here. I've now taken Hebrew three different times, and I still can't speak it, and I'm probably one of the few people in the synagogue who cannot read it or speak it, and I'm very happy when I can follow the prayers because I know them by heart, not because I'm reading them from Hebrew, because I've given up on that. Language was never my forte. So I think I've learned from friendship. I think you enhance your life by the people that you know around you, many of whom have done lots of successful things, and things I would never even go near. Our closest friends, really, are Joan and Arnie Schickler, who were members here for many years, uh, and their daughter Sloane, who was very active for a long time before she moved to Connecticut. Uh, I've learned a tremendous amount from both of them. Joan, who was an advocate of sports and the theater, I learned a lot about that. And I think that broadens you as a human being. So people connection is a very important thing.
0: And I think it also highlights one of the great challenges of our time, is the degree of loneliness, the feelings of isolation, the kind of ripping and rupture of a sense of community in society, which is certainly the ills and ails of today, I think points to why that's so important. I'm wondering, what do you think tend to be the barriers for people to find that inspiration from other people, to find that sense of connection and friendship?
1: I think you need opportunity which is one of the things that the synagogue provides. It gives you the ability to meet other people in a very friendly environment with a common interest, be it the program you're attending per se or the synagogue at large. I know as you get older... The idea of isolation, no matter how full your life is and how wonderful your family is and how many children and grandchildren you have, it is more isolating. You don't travel in the same circles that you did. You don't have a business environment that could add to that community life. And the fact that I'm still involved in synagogue, I feel has helped me tremendously. Many of the people I am friendly with, acquaintance, not close friends, are all younger than I am. That helps a lot. So it helps as you, you aging teaches you a lot about isolation.
0: I'm thinking back over all of the interactions, all of the conversations we've had together. And the way in which you somehow bring joy into that inquisitive spirit. And I think about some of the questions that you've asked me with a smile on your face. And it makes me think about the kind of security it takes to be a person who asks questions. I feel like right now in the world there's so much fear. I feel it. You know, fear about what's going to happen next. Fear about does my life actually matter? Am I doing something that's worthy in this world? And from that place of insecurity, I think a lot of people get into the pattern of tremendous telling. You know, when we often talk about conversations, what we really mean is waiting for my turn to talk. And that's never been you. You have always led with questions. And I'm wondering, where do you get your security from? Where do you get the willingness to not just tell us the incredible nature of your career and everything you've done here, that we often have to drag that out and dig that out of you. Because really you're just interested in learning about the people around you. Where does that come from?
1: I always say you have to be able to get up in the morning and look in the mirror and like the person that's there. And I think that's a very important part. But I've been very fortunate. I have a wonderful husband. I have wonderful children, and they've married wonderful people, and they've given me great-grandchildren. And I think that all helps. I think that's what helps you have confidence and move forward.
0: So bring that back into the context of Bodo Shalom for a moment, because you have had the chance to not only observe, but actually help lead us through so many different chapters of this congregation against a backdrop of a country and a world that has been constantly in flux and changing. And I'm wondering, what do you think are some of the bits of wisdom that come from Bodo Shalom that help guide us in challenging times?
1: I think the continuity of Judaism, understanding where the Jewish people have come over the millenniums, uh, has helped. I think being part of the reform movement as opposed to other streams of Judaism has tremendously helped because I feel it is a forward-going belief was a very ancient controlling factor. And I think that's good. I think that's that's helped a lot.
0: And, you know, I think about what it is to be a part of a congregation that is one of the oldest legacies of any congregation in New York City and has changed so much in those many years and yet has always had that feeling of continuity. And I think the secret of it is going back to some of the wisdom that you've lifted up is that we feel like we're in relationship, not just with each other, but relationship across generations, that there is a sense of love and honor and homage. And so when you think about some of the generations before you here at Rhoda Shalom, what do you think you've drawn from them in helping to bolster generations like myself and those younger than me?
1: I think I've learned from all of them. When I think back to people like Sidney Leader, who are a generation before me, basically, or Sam Abrams, um, who were two men that I knew well growing up in this congregation, um, I look at, um, amazingly at what they had, and they were very different men and one was steeped in Jewish background, and one was not steeped at all. It was the traditional, non-traditional Jew of the 40s and 50s. Um, but how they managed to be part of the community and lead the community was always admirable to me in very different ways. Norman Schaffler all of blessed memory, Um, was yet a third kind of person and pretty much my mentor on the board. And I looked to these men as really accomplished and helping to build a community and keep the community, I guess maintaining the community, was key. And it was important to me, and I think I learned from them.
0: So for those of us who are wanting to walk alongside you and continue the work of shaping the future of this home of belonging for our congregation, what do you feel like is some of the work ahead for us?
1: How to interact with the rest of the world. I think that's frighteningly difficult going forward. I think we were able to do it in an environment where, as a Jew, you were not afraid, and I'm not sure that's true today. And I think the knowledge that we have of so much that's an issue in the world, which we now find in our own country, is the most frightening to me. I still think America is the best place to live, but I don't think it's the same, as good as it used to be, because there's too much division. There's, it's no longer have two opinions and come to a, a solution. It's now have two opinions and go in your own way, and the country will be damned, and I think that's a problem.
0: I couldn't agree more, Mary. So if we're going to go back and think about your journey, and we're going to think about a person who has devoted herself so deeply to helping other people find their own sense of belonging here, and we're going to think about some of the magic of what you see going on right now, whether it's in your home, in the city, around the world, for you. What's sparking some joy and delight for you? What's raising that smile to your face?
1: I'm happy to see the congregation moving in the direction it's moving in, which is a more open way to look at life, both Jewish and not Jewish, the community around us as well as our own. I'm thrilled with my own personal family and where they are now in today's world. I'm very happy to still be married to Arnie after all this time, <laughs> and that he's still able to be part of my life, even though it's much more limited than anything we've experienced prior to this. So. I'm very positive on that, but I don't like what I see around me in the world, and I don't know how. I don't feel c- capable of dealing with it, but I think that being part of Rhoda has helped me have a sense that there are people who are, can do that.
0: And I would argue, I think that you are one of those people. I And I'm not just paying you lip service, Mary, I really mean it. Um, I think really truly about some of the people who have been mentors and guides and inspirations to me in my own journey and have helped model to me the best of what this community can be. And as a person at various points in his life, even today, that sometimes can feel deeply alone in the world, as a person who sometimes struggles to know which path to take and sometimes struggling to find his own place, It is the person who cares enough to ask the question. It's the person who has enough security and a big enough heart to wrap the world uh, in an embrace that sometimes helps be that beacon and that guide. And I think part of why I was excited and very excited to now be in this conversation with you is because when I think about what this place could be at its best, you represent it, of how to feel like we are a part of a much larger conversation how we can feel like our story is a part of a much bigger story, and how we ultimately can see a life that is filled with both blessing and challenge and choose to make what we can out of it. So if I can, just in kind of one more question, I'd love to hear for everyone who's listening in here, if you were going to encourage them to sit in one question, what would it be?
1: How can we make a better world?
0: I love that question. Both because it assumes a we, and that's not the assumption that a lot of people bring these days, and the idea that that's possible. So if I can flip that question back to you. How do you feel? We can make a better world.
1: Expand the love of family, which is the closest circle you have, whatever that family may be, and respect for one another at that level and hope that it will emanate out into the broader family, broader world.
0: I cannot begin to tell you how much I appreciate that answer, Mary. I want to offer gratitude. It is not very often I get to sit in conversation with truly a person that I love dearly, but also a person that I know that has been at the heart of shaping so much of the leadership of Rhoda Shalom. And I want to offer gratitude for this conversation because you have given us so many different layers of reflection and wisdom today. And I look forward to so many getting to sit at your feet, at least maybe for right now, over audio. But I hope that people also feel courageous enough to reach out to you to sit more in person and see the way in which you yourself are slowly knitting together this world. Grateful for you, my friend.
1: Thank you, my dear.
0: Thank you for joining us and listening to this story of belonging. Stay connected with us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Ben H. Spread. For more information about CRS, visit us online at rhodofshalom.org.